So as a, as a community following Jesus, we've been on this uh, little journey this summer. We've called it a theology project. We've been thinking about God, and theology literally means God talks, so how we talk about God. And the truth is, the way we talk and the way we think about God impacts our life. It influences the way we interact with the people around us. It impacts the way we do marriage and parenting. Uh, no matter your worldview and, and, and how you think about God, that does impact the way you walk out each and every day. So it's been a fun, it's, it's been a fun little series. Now, as a, as a church, as a Christian community, we specifically uh, in our faith want to follow a specific person. We have a, we have a person that we follow, and his name is? Good. Most of you are with me this morning. Awesome. Um, so we want to follow Jesus. Now, Jesus had this incredible way of interacting with people who maybe didn't quite live up to how they how others thought they should live up. Does that make sense? Like there were many in his day and age that he interacted with that were called sinners or those outcasts who are on the outside that, that most uh, Jews in, in his day would not interact with because they were unclean, they were unworthy of God's love. But Jesus had this unbelievable way of entering into relationship and conversation with people who didn't believe like he believed. And as a people, we want to learn to do the same thing. To follow Jesus is to, to follow in his ways and learn to do some of the same things that he did. And uh, so as we mapped out this series, we left this last week like wide open. We thought we might do some Q&A where we might pass around a microphone and ask you whatever question. That, that made me really nervous, so I said no on that because uh, you guys have good questions and I don't have all the answers, obviously. Um, and so we got a little bit closer and I thought, you know, one of the things that I've struggled with in my faith from time to time is not fully uh, or even at, at a limited level understanding what other religions believe. And one of the questions that often comes up is, do all religions essentially point in the same direction? In other words, do, do, do most of the main world religions, are they leading us in a path that, that, that's moving in a similar direction? And so as long as, you, as, as you're following your religion or what you were raised in, as long as you're doing that with your whole heart, at the end of the day, doesn't it lead you to the same place? That's, that's one of those common questions. Which, and and I, I think it's a great question. Like one of, the, one of the struggles for me from time to time, is it okay if I'm honest? Okay, so one of the struggles for me to, from time to time is what about people, like I was in Lebanon earlier this year, what about people who have been raised with a completely different worldview and mindset and, and, and who are moving in a certain direction and what if they have no access um, to some of the, the insights and the thoughts and, and the, the beliefs that we have? Like what about them? Like what does God do with that? Have you ever thought that? Have you ever wondered that? Good, I'm glad I'm, I'm not alone in that, that struggle. And so... You know, it's like a mountain. Uh, if we went out and, and, and we started in, in 20 different places out here on, on the trails, which there are a bunch of different trails, as long as we were all climbing in the same direction, would we end up in the same point? Like, so all religions, are they moving us in the same direction? So what I want to do this morning a little bit is I want to spend some time comparing and, and studying a little bit more about a couple main world religions that would hopefully lead us to be able to have some intelligent and um, conversations with those who may believe differently than us. 
Does that make sense? Are you with me so far? Paul did this really well. Paul was one of the very first Christians, if, if, if you don't know Paul. Um, Paul actually went, a, went around killing people who followed Jesus because he thought they were distorting the truth and then had an experience with Jesus that completely transformed his life and he became one of the biggest proponents of Jesus. He wrote most of the New Testament. And uh, one of the things that Paul said in uh, Colossians chapter 4 is he said this. He said, live wisely among those who are not believers. And he's, and he's talking about those uh, who, who don't believe the same that, that we would believe as Christians. And make the most of every opportunity. Well, that's an interesting phrase. Make the most of every opportunity. And in my mind, to make the most of every opportunity would be to... to, to to have an awareness so that we could enter into conversation with others. That's what it would mean to make the most of every opportunity. And then he says this, let your conversation be gracious and attractive to those that you talk to. Let, let your conversation be gracious. Now, is this a good representation of all the Christians that you know, what, what we're reading here? Yeah, sometimes we, we, we don't quite get this right, to live wisely and... Um, to make the most of the opportunity, to, to let our conversations be gracious. Sometimes our conversations are very hateful and pointed in the ways that we think about others who might not believe the same that we do. Um, Paul, at this one point in his ministry, he's traveling around and he enters into a little town uh, called Athens. You've probably heard of it, Athens, Greece. And he's there. And what's interesting in Athens is they have all these gods that they're worshiping, all these different temples that they go to. They try to appease all the gods. And there's one in particular that is called uh, the temple to the unknown God. And what Paul does is brilliant. He goes to this temple and he says, you're all worshiping this unknown God. I know him. It's the God that we worship the one true God. And he finds this bridge to a people who believe completely differently than him. And because of his testimony, he took the opportunity, he brought many to follow Jesus with him. So we want to enter into that kind of thing. Now, some, just a baseline for us as Christians, as Jesus people. Here's what we want, to be marked by love. Don't forget, we want to be marked by love in all the ways we interact with people. We want to have a deep respect for all people, regardless of the worldview. One of the things I love about our church is I, I really do feel like this is a safe place. And there are many in our church who don't have the same beliefs as maybe the majority of us, uh, and still they have a safe place here to explore and to think and to stretch their minds. There are some people in the room who you only come because your boyfriend or girlfriend makes you come and you just want to make them happy. And we are happy that you're here. This is a good place for you to be. And it's okay if that's your motivation. But we want to have a deep respect for all people. We want to value relationship and conversation. We want to be people who aren't afraid of others, not afraid of other worldviews. And not, also not gloss over those things, but have good conversation and relationship. And we want to be gracious and kind in all of our interactions. Are you with me? Okay. So Jesus uh, comes along and he makes this, this statement. And in the plurality of the religious world in which we live, so, so look at this. We've got Christians and Jews and we've got uh, Muslims and Hindus and Buddhists in this plurality of, of religions, and there's many more beyond this. There's the Baha'i faith. I mean, there's just so many religions and, and thoughts. Jesus comes on the scene, and he makes this incredible statement to his followers. He says this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. 
and no one comes to the Father but through me. He makes this what seems to be a, a, a very isolated and um, a, a statement that might cut others out, right? But he makes this, this bold claim, I am the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father through me. Now, one thing I've learned in my life is this, is that I'm not Jesus. That's a good lesson for all of us, isn't it? Like, I'm not Jesus, I'm not God, and I'm going to allow God to do some things and work in some ways that, well, he doesn't need me to allow him. I'm going to give space for that beyond what I might understand. And, 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 and the reach, listen, the reach and the love of our Heavenly Father is so far beyond what any of us knows. Did you know that? Like, God loves so much more than, than we could possibly think or imagine. And so as we walk into this conversation, we trust God to be God, and we don't have to be. There should be some peace in that. Okay, Islam. Let's talk about Islam just for a few minutes. Now, some of you are going to love this message like, because like, you like to learn about different things, and you're going to take a ton of notes. Somebody came to me after the first service, and they were like, I had to get up and leave during the service to get more note pages so I could write more notes. And I'm like, that's awesome. And others of you will fall asleep, and that's okay. I'll get you back at the end, okay? I'll, I'll call you back at the end. Um, but let's, let's talk about Islam and jump into Islam. And this is a lot of information coming your way. Islam uh, is a religion, one of the largest religions and one of the fastest growing religions in our world today. Um, I took this picture. I was, like I said, I was in Lebanon earlier this year and I took this picture. This is one of the largest mosques in the world um, next to a couple that are in Turkey. And um, they built this mosque because they wanted everyone uh, in Beirut to see the symbol, the the Muslim symbol, right? The, the crescent. And um, so they built this mosque with these four corners that were just huge. And so um, the Christian church that owned property next door built a uh, tower with a cross that was just a little bit taller. <laughs> Not to be outdone because that's how we do things. Our God is better than your God, you know? That's how we normally do things rather than walking across the street and having a conversation. And uh, so I, I found that interesting. So uh, Islam began with Muhammad. And uh, Muhammad was a prophet born about 500 years, let's say, after Jesus, around 570 AD. And Muhammad, as a prophet, uh, was approached by an angel, Gabriel, who spoke the words of God word for word uh, from God exactly what he wanted them to have. And that became what we know now as the Quran. So the Quran is literally word for word what God wanted humans to understand. And it was communicated in Arabic, which means the only perfect, to, to Muslims, the only perfect word of God is the Quran in Arabic, not translated. Does that make sense? Are you with me? So this is uh, the revelation of God to Muhammad, which began this whole Muslim uh, religion. The Quran and the Hadith is what, that's what guides Muslims. Now, what is the Hadith? The Hadith is the tradition and the interpretation of the Quran given by Muhammad. So you would, might think of, like, we have the Bible, you know, that we have the Bible, and then you have scholars and pastors who help us understand what the Bible says. Same thing. That's the Hadith. It's the teaching. It's, uh, it's kind of the tradition that guides Muslims. Now, Islam is monotheistic, and what that means is they worship one God, just like us. In fact, uh, Islam was, was a break off the Christian church. It, it came out of Judaism and Christianity in those, uh, in those years of Muhammad. Are you still with me? 
more information. Um, five big things f- for Muslims. Number one, faith in God and his prophet Muhammad. Allah and Muhammad. Faith in them as, as being uh, primary and essential to their religion. Five daily prayers. Now, come on. That is impressive, is it not? Some of you who have some friends who are Muslim, is it not impressive that five times a day at a given time, they like bow down, prostrate with their head to the ground. Now, there are some things we can learn in our practice from other religions. Would you agree with that? And this, I think, is one of them, the incredible commitment to their faith, wanting to to be devout and and submissive to their God. And so five daily prayers a day. Uh, Gifts to the poor, a beautiful picture that God, when he blesses us, we are to bless others. That that concept is is true in Islam. Uh, Fasting and submission again to God. And then there's this idea of a pilgrimage to get to Mecca, which is the holy place. It's the center of it all. So there's this this idea that eventually you want to make a pilgrimage to the holy place. Now, in Islam, there are some denominations, much like there are in, in the Christian world. So let me ask you, uh, those of you who know denominations, if you grew up in the church, what are some denominations we know today in our world? Baptists. Yes, that's always the first one. Everyone's like, Baptist. You got the Baptists. And then we got the Presbyterians, the Methodists. Yes, we've got Nazarenes. We've got all kinds of, the Anglicans. We've got all kinds of tribes. Well, that's similar in, in, the, uh, in, the, in the Muslim world. So Sunnis, You've probably heard that word on the news before, like the Sunni uh, Muslims, 80, about 80%. So this is the majority. They're more traditional. Uh, and then there's the Shia Muslims, about 15%. Now, some of you are thinking right now, Matt, you're not very smart because that does not equal 100% of the Muslims in the world. Uh, the rest of them are like the smaller groups, kind of like our tribe. So you'd think of them as like the Nazarenes and, and those other ones. But these are the two primary tribes uh, in, in the Islamic world, the Sunnis and the Shias. Now, um, you've probably heard of a group called ISIS. Anybody heard of ISIS? Yes. ISIS is this idea of an Islamic state. And the concept behind ISIS is that um, we want to create almost like this, this theistic kingdom uh, to Allah. And so we want to take over land and create a, a state, a, a country, a, a kingdom of Muslims that would rule. Uh, this little, they, mo- most, most Muslims would call this a, um, a, a very fringe group, but they come out of the Sunni tribe and they use violence to take over lands and kill people who don't believe in the same thing. Now, um, when ISIS first kind of broke onto the scene and we saw pictures of beheadings and uh, them marching uh, Christians off in, in rows and killing them on the beach, do you remember these pictures? Like I had this understanding, I don't know if, if, if you're like me, but I had this understanding but that this was a picture of a larger swath of, of Muslims in the world. Did anybody else have that same idea that like this, was, this is what Islam is? And the truth is that most Muslims in the world today would denounce that kind of violence the way that they were going about that. Now, they, they would agree uh, a couple different things. Number one, they would agree that a caliphate would be a good thing, so a kingdom would be a good thing. Uh, they agree that there are times that a holy war, what we've heard of as a jihad, that that's a good thing to do, but only if it's used in a just way. 
And most Muslims in our world looked at what ISIS was doing and said, that is not just. Like you can't just take over lands and slaughter uh, hundreds of thousands of people in that way. Like they would speak against it. But many of us probably thought, oh, that, that's a good representation of the Islamic world and it's just not the, the, the core picture. So uh, one of our primary disagreements between Christianity and Islam comes down to Jesus. So Jesus, what do they think about Jesus? They think Jesus was a prophet and this is a big deal. Like they really believe that Jesus has incredibly high standing with God. In fact, they believe Jesus is, is above the angels in, in the universal uh, scheme of things. That, that there's humans, there's angels, there's Jesus, then there's Muhammad, then there's God. Does that, does that make sense? Now, catch this. Muslims believe that Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary. Isn't that interesting? I had no idea when I started studying other religions that, they, that anybody else would believe that, but they believe Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary, that he lived an almost perfect life, almost sinless, not quite like what Muhammad did, but they believe he, he lived an incredible life. He brought some good things. But here's where our, our, our disagreement begins. They believe that the New Testament, which tells us about Jesus, and the picture of Jesus on the cross has been distorted that his teachings have been distorted and corrupted and you can't trust them. So we'd have this sharp disagreement where we hold the scriptures to be pretty important to our faith, amen? They would say, no, no, they've been dis distorted and corrupted by other things. Uh, they would say Jesus did not actually die on the cross. Uh, they have two different thoughts that either God put Jesus' face in some uh, mysterious, miraculous way onto Judas, who died in Jesus' place on the cross, and he died, or that Jesus actually didn't die on the cross, that he just kind of fell into a coma, and when they brought him down, that he was kind of resuscitated and then went on with his life. So they don't believe that Jesus died as a sacrifice for anyone on the cross. We'd have a little bit of a disagreement with that. Would you agree? Like, that's pretty important to us as Christians. And then, obviously, they don't believe Jesus was divine or God's son. Again, held in high regard. They don't think Jesus was just like Moses or another prophet. They, they, they hold him in, in high, high regard. Now, sometimes when you look at things side by side, it helps you understand more about another faith, but it helps you understand your faith a little bit more. So I want to do that with, with Islam just for a second. There's the caliphate, the idea of, a, of an earthly kingdom here, and then there's the kingdom of God. In the caliphate, to, to Muslims, uh, the use of the sword is allowed when it's just. So to use the sword or violence uh, is an okay thing when it's justified. Now, when is it justified? There's a little um, gray there, but when it's justified, you can use violence. In the kingdom of God, Jesus leads us to be a people of what? Peace. Peace. Yeah, he calls us. In fact, on the night that Jesus was arrested, do you remember the story where Peter pulls a sword out and wants to fight for Jesus? And Jesus says, no, 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 put away your sword. We're a people of peace. Like he's leading us in a, in a, in a completely different direction. And the caliphate, they, they want to grow their land. They, they want the, the, the kingdom in Islam to, to get bigger. In the kingdom of God, it's about relational growth. Like the kingdom of God is not bound by any kind of borders. Like the kingdom of God is so much bigger than we could imagine. It, it crosses oceans. Uh, 
In the caliphate, Sharia law, you've probably heard that on the news as well, that there's a certain law that's forced in the caliphate. Well, in the kingdom of God, love is the way. Love guides us. Love is our law, is one way to say it. In the caliphate, everything's externally enforced. You better do the right thing when you're told to do it or else. And in the kingdom of God, we're, we're transformed, Jesus tells us, internally by the Spirit. And our outside actions are impacted when the Spirit begins to control our heart and our mind, and it changes the way we interact with the people around us. It doesn't go the opposite direction. Are you with me? Okay. Now, there was a, a guy named Nabil who grew up in a, in a Muslim family. And in, when he was in college, I think maybe some post-grad work that he was doing, he met a Christian and he was very opposed to Christianity. I think his book is called Seeking Allah and Finding Jesus. It's an interesting, interesting book. And um, he talks about this, this disconnect so often between uh, people of different faiths. And so often we enter into this understanding that we've got to convince other people that our way is the right way. If, if you don't agree with me, I'm going to build a bigger tower with a bigger cross just to remind you that my way's higher than your way or, or whatever. And he says this, only the exceptional blend of love, humility, hospitality, and persistence can overcome the barriers that Muslims have against Christians in our world today. It's this beautiful call to relational engagement with respect, with love, and persistence, like being persistent about the love of Jesus that might lead those to, who, who, who are walking a certain direction to, to follow who we would call Jesus. Real quick, I want to touch on Buddhism um, because I think Buddhism uh, is oftentimes something that has gotten into all the religions and uh, this new age concept that comes out of Buddhism really has begun to impact all of us. And so I want to talk about this. This is, uh, this is the original Buddha right here. Uh, Siddhartha, I think is his name, Gautama. Um, he's not the OG, he's the OB. Yes. I was, I was hoping that that would work with you today. Uh, some of you are going to send me emails about my bad pastor jokes. That's okay. Go ahead and send them to me. Um, so Siddhartha, when we, when we say Buddha, this is the one that we usually envision. He, he was the original Buddha. He was born into privilege in India around 500 BC. So if you think 500 years before Jesus came along, that's when Buddha lived in India. He was born into privilege, and when you look at the differences between him and Jesus, Jesus was born into poverty, right? Like to a couple of teenagers in, in poverty and really on the run. Uh, Buddha was born into great privilege, and his father believed that, that he was special, that there was something special about him. And so what his father did is he created this like bubble around him. He cleared out all the poverty and sickness that existed in India around him so he would never have to interact with that because he thought he was like this prince in, in, in a way. So he cleaned out anything that, would, that he would have to interact with that would, would, would cause him to question, you know, like humanity or, or the brokenness of the world that we, we lived in. He, he grew up, he married, he had one son, and then he got outside of the bubble. Now, some of us in this room, we grew up in the Christian bubble, and we thought everything looked a certain way, everybody understood a certain way, and then we got outside of the bubble, and we, we had to interact with the brokenness that was all around us. Like, we had all these sayings that we thought were perfect, and, and then we get outside, and we're like, oh, the world's not really like that. That happened to, to, to Buddha. Uh, he was married with one son, but he left his family and community 
to find enlightenment. Now, just a side note, I find this very interesting, that one would leave a family, a child and a wife, in an effort to find enlightenment in who he was, to find this ultimate reality, to leave uh, your child behind to do this very thing. Is, I just find that extremely um, interesting in, in the thoughts. Now, in terms of, like we talked about the Quran, we have the Bible. What did the Buddhists have? They have what's called the Pali Canon. The Pali Canon is a collected group of sayings from the original Buddha. And um, the Pali Canon is 10 times the size of the Bible. Like we think the Bible's long. Like 10 times the size of the Bible is the Pali Canon. Buddha talked a lot. And um, uh, this Pali Canon, interestingly enough, was, was written about 800 years after the life of Buddha. So there was at least 800 years that passed where it was just an oral tradition, where it was just stories told until someone actually began to write it down. So there's a huge gap between what he actually said and what was written down. Does that make sense? Huge gap. Um, in Buddhism, there are different experiences in, in life, there, and there are different um, kind of levels in life. You have the gods, you have the demigods, you have the humans, you have the animals, you have the ghosts, and then you have cats or hell beings. <laughs> and it's this, <laughs> every chance I get. Um, just kidding. I'm just, I'm totally kidding when I say that most of the time. Um, so the concept is there, there are these different, um, these, these different levels uh, on, your, on your journey to enlightenment. And we are all in, in the human sphere, and the animals are just below us, ghosts below them, and then like demons or hell beings are below them. Reincarnation, you've heard of this, this phrase, reincarnation. Reincarnation is, is based on the life that you live. And what you want is to move in a positive direction. You want to get closer to enlightenment, so you live your human life. Um, trying to become one with the world and one with the people around us so that you could be born into a higher level or where you could reach enlightenment like the Buddha did. Does that make sense at some level? I mean, you kind of see that idea? So if you live a human life and you're very selfish, if you, if you, if you don't quite get it and so you're very selfish, you may be born and you may be in, in, like a cow in the middle of Iowa chewing on cud the next, the next day, you know? And, and that's the concept of reincarnation. Karma. Have you ever heard of karma? Yeah. So uh, maybe you're driving around a parking lot and, and you, like the front row is like, it's there and you're like, I must be a good person because the front row, there's a place right there. I can park right next to Target and walk right in. Karma. Good karma. Or maybe you've been driving around a parking lot and you didn't give enough money when we passed the baskets. And so there is no parking spot in the, in the front. We'll pass them again in a minute, don't worry, and you can, <laughs> this is your way of thinking. Now, we've kind of distorted this idea of karma. The original, the, the, the original Buddha and karma, what he would say, I think, is that, that karma is really, because we're all one with the universe, like any, any uh, self that you see, any differences between a building and grass and cactus, like the universe is one, so it's really a distortion of reality. And karma is what you're feeding into the universe as being one with the universe is exactly what you're receiving out of the universe. It's your experience. So you're, you're experiencing what you're feeding in. Does that make sense? Kind of, yeah. 
Um, so this is the idea of karma. And nirvana is when your life is blown out, when you've reached enlightenment, your life is blown out and you become one with the universe. And that's the goal. Like you want to experience nirvana, not the band, the <laughs> one with the universe. Now I find this a little interesting because the concept that we are, are, are one with the universe, we're one with each other, we're one with everything material that we see. There's no, like any differences we see in one another or, or, or what we experience out here, it's only imagined, yet we're trying to reach enlightenment as an individual kind of goes against itself. There's a little tension there. And, um, and so I find that, that, that concept of moving towards nirvana um, quite interesting. Now I know that's a lot of information, what I want to do, if you've missed everything, come back for a minute. Uh, if you're asleep, if the person next to you, you can just nudge them, wake them up, and, or cough, or do something that's not uncomfortable. Yeah. So we're back. Um, I want to look at the three next to each other, just three little pieces that I think give us some clarity about the, these three worldviews and religions. In, in Buddhism, there is no one God. There's no ultimate reality. We can be many different gods. There are many different gods that exist, but there's no one God. Muhammad said, no, no, there is one God. His name is Allah. And it's not God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. It's God the Father. That's it. That's all that there is. Jesus said, you can know God. He's not some distant being reality that you might not ever know. You might not please. No, no, you can know God. This is why... Uh, they call it the gospel, the good news of Jesus, because he entered into the world to introduce us because God wanted to be in relationship with his creation. Does that make sense? So Jesus, very unique in this. Among all the world religions, Christianity is the one where God comes down into humanity. God himself comes down into humanity to pursue a relationship with us. In Buddhism, karma rules. So what you feed into the universe is what you get out of it. Muhammad said, no, you've got to earn your standing. You've got to do the right thing. Sharia law is what rules us. And if you don't do the right thing, you won't please God and you won't get to heaven. You've got to earn your way to heaven. Many religions believe this, that if you're good enough, you can get into heaven. Jesus said, grace. Like you don't have to earn your way. In fact, you can't earn your way. Trust me. Let go. Like, let go of this concept that you're having to work your way to God because God has already come down to be with you. Isn't that beautiful? That's good news. Like, someone should say amen or something, I feel like. It's just good. In Buddhism, there is no self. Like, if you think you're, you're an individual, you're mistaken. Like, you've, you've missed it. You're not moving along the journey towards enlightenment because there is no self. And, and one day all self will be gone. Uh, Muhammad said you must control yourself. Like yourself is yourself and you got to figure yourself out. You might need some help with that. We, we, we can help with that, but, but you've got to learn to control yourself. Jesus said you can be a new self. If you're like me, like you know you're not good enough. Like, I, I don't have it in me to figure it all out, to act the right way. And Jesus says, look, God sent me to connect with you, and he sends a spirit to make you new. And that is good news. Like, it's good news. And when we look at this, this spectrum of the different worldviews, there is something unique about Jesus. He stands alone. 
There, there is nothing like Jesus. There's no one like him. And we have these questions. Well, even with that, Matt, isn't everything leading us to God? I mean, won't we all go to heaven one day? And that makes us feel good to say that. Like, everybody's going to go to heaven. It's all going to be good in the end. Like, universalism sounds great. And let me tell you, I'm a hopeful universalist. Like, I hope everybody gets to go to heaven because it's going to be awesome. I hope everybody gets to go. But, like, biblically, when I read the Bible... Like, it just doesn't lean that direction. There's this understanding that, that Jesus is unique, and when we find ourselves in Christ, we are given right standing with God, and it's by his grace that we are saved. You can say amen. Like, it's by his grace. Now, why do we do this? Like, why, why, why talk about this on a Sunday? Because I think it's important that we have a broad worldview we understand how to have conversations and respect for people who believe differently than us. I think it's, it's important that we're absolutely clear on some of the, the baseline of what Christians believe and that we walk in that direction. And I think in humility, we have to trust that God is much bigger than us. He has more love than we can ever imagine, and we're not called to be him. Aren't you thankful that you're not God? to have to sort all this out? Aren't you glad that there's someone that loves and has grace and mercy beyond our understanding? I am so thankful that that's not my job. Well, I hope it's been helpful. I hope this series has been helpful. We're going to jump into some other things in the next few weeks. And uh, I love this church community. I love you. I love that I get to pastor in this place where we can have some open dialogue. And my hope is that this leads you into good conversations with the people around you. Will you stand with me and I'll say a prayer and, uh, and then we'll be done for today. God, you are good. You are loving. You are kind. You gave us Jesus to give us not just a picture of you, but you gave us Jesus to be the way to you. And I pray we would lean into him more and more and more in our lives, that we would learn to follow him. And in following him, we would be gracious to everyone around us, that we wouldn't set up these like straw man kind of ideas and, 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 and concepts where we hate other people, but rather that we would love people like Jesus did, that we would enter into conversation and, and respectfully introduce you to them. God, thanks for your love and your grace in our lives. We need it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday.